Welcome to the Top 5, where each week I discuss my top 5 takeaways from the NASCAR race. This week, Richmond International Raceway. Hello and welcome to the Top 5. I am your host, Connor, and this is meant to be a quick podcast, maybe 15-20 minutes max, to discuss my thoughts from the latest NASCAR race and what's happening in the world of NASCAR. But before we get into that, I would like to invite you to check out my Facebook page, search The Top 5, all spelled out, and hit that like button. Or you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the top five and share with me your thoughts on what I have to say. If you agree or disagree, either way, let's just have a fun conversation about NASCAR. So this past week, the circuit ran into Richmond International Raceway. So let's get into my top five takeaways from that race. Number one. So Richmond is one of the few tracks that still get two dates per year. And one trend that I've noticed is the second time that the uh, circuit comes into that track, they have a lesser crowd. Or if one of the races is a more prestigious race than the other. One of the two is far less populated. But I thought there was a good crowd, good, good sized crowd. I don't think it was a sellout, but it was pretty full. About the same for the spring race, which is uh, good to see. Uh, Kyle Larson was on the pole. Uh, And I was excited to see some short track racing. It had been a minute since we have seen them on a short track. Uh, And there are always paybacks on short tracks. If you're holding a grudge against a guy, a short track is where you typically get your revenge. So I was hoping to see some of that. Uh, And lastly, my pre-race takeaway, it it became very abundantly clear how worn out Richmond is. Um, So that would definitely play a factor throughout the day. Uh, Hopefully, in time, they they repave Richmond and maybe reconfigure it a little bit. I'm not exactly sure how, but in its current configuration, not only is the concrete so wore out it's eating up tires at such a pace um but it's not really the most exciting racing to be honest i would really like to see a difference uh in how how teams approach richmond with a a new surface but that's for another time let's get into this actual race number two So Chastain was on the outside of the front row to start the race, and he took the lead early uh, and led pretty much all of stage one. Um, And that seemed to be a theme. The outside lane on restarts seemed to be much faster. There was side-by-side racing throughout the field, throughout most of stage one and two, uh, and of course stage three. Uh, But it wasn't the most exciting racing um ross Chastain won stage one um and then at the beginning of stage two joey logano was on the front row outside again and took the lead 
But while that was happening, and this is a side rant, and I've been talking about this pretty much every week, NBC's coverage is quite possibly the worst race coverage I've ever seen. As Joey Logano and Ross Chastain are side-by-side racing for the lead, and Dale Jr. is getting all excited calling the play-by-play, I'm watching uh, Byron and somebody else side-by-side mid-pack. I don't know if the director just wanted them to talk about that or didn't know that when the commentators are talking about something else, switch to that picture. But they also do this side-by-side thing where there's a battle for sixth and a battle for 13th, and they show both pictures at once. And you'll have one commentator talking about one of those battles while the other is talking about the other. It's like trying to watch NASCAR on ADHD. It is not fun or interesting at all. And then on top of that, and I know commercials have to happen, but NBC has commercials on steroids. I mean, everything is sponsored, and I get that. That's how NASCAR is, and I'm not complaining about that. That's fine. But it's one to go with Credit One and the race recap with Geico and the, you know, everything is sponsored. And then uh, to put icing on the cake, they go commercial after commercial. I mean, 23 second laps at Richmond and they could only get seven to 10 laps in before taking commercials. It was outrageous. Anyway, back to the racing early in stage two. Um, so Kyle, Kyle push didn't give Ty Gibbs any room and Ty Gibbs didn't like it. And so going into turns one and two, Kyle Bush sort of pinched, uh, Ty Gibbs run. Ty Gibbs didn't like it, ran down into turn three and got into the back uh, uh, um, of Kyle Busch. Not hard. Just gave him a little tap to let him know that he didn't much care for that. I thought that 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 had some cojones. I I really think Ty Gibbs is... He's going to get a a full-time ride next year, and I think he's going to make waves. To go up to a vet and let them know that you have every right to the track as they do is pretty gutsy and i appreciate that now am i being biased because he did that to kyle bush absolutely i am i'll own that all day long but he still did it and i still appreciate it um as stage two one down we really got a sense for how huge tire fall off was and it would happen in a matter of laps uh, guys were complaining about their car getting loose, and then all of a sudden, within two laps, they'd say, it's undrivable, I can't can't do anything. Um, and that caused a lot of green flag pitting, and it caused for very few cars to be on the lead lap. I will have more on that later, uh, but to end number two and stage two, 
Joey Logano won stage two for his third stage of the uh, of the year. So let's move on to the stage three and ending of the race. Number three. So at the beginning of stage three, um, Ross Chastain, Kyle Busch, uh, and a few others wrecked pretty cleanly. There no no major damage. Uh, in my opinion, watching the replay, uh, it was Chastain's fault. He tried to run the middle. I guess technically Kyle Busch didn't know that they were going three wide, but it is a restart. You do need to provide a little bit more room. Chastain didn't want to lift is what he should have done, and he collected Kyle Busch. I, I don't know how... Ross Chastain is going to finish a single race moving forward. He has just ticked off every single driver in the garage. There are guys that are known for being very aggressive, like Joey Logano, to the to a fault at times. But Chastain's driving is reckless and problematic. And I like Ross Chastain. I think he's a good driver. I think he's a good dude. I like that when he gets into a heated argument with somebody and then he's asked about it, he says they were just talking about fishing. Uh, he's a he's a guy's guy. But he's going to have to reel it in a little bit on the racetrack or it's going to be a long playoff for him. And I, I think by design of the other drivers... He has a a championship team that might make it out of the first round, but probably not the second. And it would be truly shocking to me if he ended up in the final four. I guess we'll see. Time will tell. I've been wrong once before just to see what it felt like. I didn't care for it, by the way, so I don't intend to do it again. Moving on with 65 or so laps to go. Kevin Harvick passed Logano. It was an exciting battle for four or five laps. Um, Harvick was faster, clearly. Logano didn't want to give up the lead. It was just a matter of time, but it was fun to watch. Uh, and then Harvick kind of ran away with it for a while, but they were, as I mentioned earlier, there were, at the end of the race, there were 10 cars on the lead lap. So there were so many, um, lap down cars, so much traffic to get through that even if he played it smart, there were times where Harvick was being held up. Uh, Christopher Bell had pitted earlier with about 40 to go, so he had newer tires. As Harvick's car started to fall off, Christopher Bell looked like he was shot out of a rocket. He was flying. Uh, He ran down. uh, Harvick was pretty much at his bumper, and just ran out of laps. Had that race been three more laps, uh, we'd be talking about Christopher Bell as the winner. But it wasn't. So Harvick did get the win, second in a row. He has a scary level of momentum right now. He was so far out of the playoff picture two weeks ago, and now he's locked himself into the playoffs. And he is hot going into the playoffs. That's not the type of guy, if you're a competitor, that you want hot coming into the playoffs. 
He's a proven champion. He's won 60 races. He knows how to win. He knows how to handle the pressure. His team knows how to execute. We could be looking at a potential championship run late in the season. Like a Miracle Mets type situation. Way back coming into the playoffs. Gets in the playoffs. Gets hot. And Harvick's not a young man. So how cool would it be if he pulled a John Elway, won the championship, and then walked off into the sunset? I think that would be that would be neat and fitting. Of course, I'm not rooting for that as I don't root for Kevin Harvick, but as a viewer, that would be something interesting. As a matter of fact, if Joey Logano doesn't make the Final Four, I'll root for Harvick. Speaking of the playoffs... Things are getting heated in that department, which brings me to my next point. Number four. So as you're well aware, there are 16 available playoff spots. And after Richmond, with two races to go, you have 10 of those spots locked in. You have Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, Joey Logano, William Byron, Dennis Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, Kevin Harvick who just locked himself in, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, and Kyle Bush. Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, Chase Briscoe, and Kurt Busch have all won a race, but are not locked in. Ryan Blaney is currently in the 16th spot, plus 26 points over Martin Truex Jr., Everyone after Martin Truex Jr. is pretty much mathematically eliminated from getting in on points, uh, but could get in if they won a race. And Ryan Blaney could have a wreck early or a spin early, and Martin Truex could have a good day and flip those standings very, very quick in one race. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be crazy. Blaney had himself a day at Richmond points wise that really helped him out. Um, but with the next two races being Watkins, Glen and Daytona, I could very well see both of those races being won by first, first time this year winners. And that would really shake things up. Kurt Busch is in the playoffs, but he hasn't raced in uh, weeks due to a concussion. And my best to him, I, I hope he recovers well, but that could cost him a spot in the playoffs. I don't know if he'll be back by the playoffs. He could be back this week. It's a week-to-week type thing. So it's going to be incredibly exciting to watch. And I think having Daytona as the last race before the playoffs is a spectacular idea. It used to be Bristol and moving Bristol to a cutoff race is also a spectacular idea. It is chaos and excitement at its highest. I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to report back my thoughts on it. And speaking of which, That brings me to my last point. Number five. 
As always, my fifth and final point is looking ahead. This week, the field rolls into Watkins Glen. Of the road courses, Watkins Glen is my personal favorite road course. Turn one is an absolute nightmare. It is a a dime turn, especially on restarts. Drivers that need wins or need playoff points will take chances and dive bomb. I can see a lot of interesting things happening in turn one. Watkins Glen is an extremely fast road course. I think that's what makes it so much fun. I'm glad that they got rid of the, I think it was called the carousel. I'm not really sure. It was the extended part of the track. I'm glad they got rid of that. I like the original course. Uh, It's just going to be a fun race to watch. And I mean, it's hard to predict because I want to say that Chase Elliott's going to win because he's so good on road courses. However, Chase Elliott's already won a bunch of races, and I already predicted earlier that two new drivers are going to win. So here's my prediction. Out of nowhere, out of left field, Eric Almarola comes and gets a, a win. I would love to see Eric Almarola get a win in his final season and make the playoffs. So, bet your house. And if you win, chip me off 10% for telling you what was going to happen. If you don't win, you probably shouldn't have bet that much anyway. That's that's kind of on you. It's your bad, really. I look forward to watching it and reporting back. Before I go, please check out my Facebook page, facebook.com. Just search the top five all spelled out. Or you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top five. We can have a fun conversation about NASCAR. We can agree. We can disagree. Either way, we're talking about one of my favorite sports. So thanks so much for listening. This has been the Top 5, and I'm Tom.